0: Welcome to the Automators Podcast. I'm David Sparks and joined by my co-host and your friend, Rosemary Orchard. How are you doing, Rose?
1: I'm pretty great, David. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. I have missed you because we got ahead and Mm -hmm. it's like I get itchy when I don't get to podcast with Rosemary every week or two. So I'm glad to be talking to you again on a microphone. Oh, yeah. 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 We have a fun show today. We're calling it Automation Pop because we've got all these little things we've been wanting to share with the audience, but we're like, ah, oh, that's not really a whole show. What do we do with it? Mm-hmm. And we said, you know what? We got enough of those things that that is a whole show. So, Um, This is going to be a fun one, densely packed. We're going to be talking about things like shortcuts for Mac and um, Stream Deck tricks because there's a whole bunch of new stuff and um, Obsidian, which isn't really enough for a whole show. But I do have a bunch of stuff to share with what I'm automating Obsidian. So we've got a bunch of cool topics today and we're really looking forward to sharing them with you. Uh, Now that we have Automators Max, and I love that name, by the way. I love the name. So good. Do you think we should change the name to Automators Ultra? Now that Apple has announced that there's an even more powerful Mac with an Ultra I mean, my chip.
1: studio is not going to have an Ultra and it. It's just going to have whatever the almost base model is. Oh, is a wait Max? a second. I think
0: it's wait a second. Did you buy new macros? Maybe. <laughs> okay. I, well, before we get into automation, I need the story. I need it right now.
1: Okay. So uh, I have an M1 iMac, which is purple. And I love it. Yeah. it is an amazing machine. Yeah, and for podcasting, it is the best machine in the world. Yeah, unfortunately, there's a particular thing that I'm I'm developing, which I'm not ready to talk about yet. And I promise everybody, you'll hear about it when sure. when I'm ready to share. Um, but it requires me to run um two node applications essentially at the same time, and Xcode and Xcode simulator.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and all of that, even with 16 gigabytes of RAM for some reason my machine just gets so painfully slow um but i've got a friend who's got a macbook pro one of the fancy new ones who's not having any problems at all and so i was very tempted i was like maybe i get a new laptop maybe i get a new laptop let's see what apple do
0: yeah
1: and then i and, the, and then they did the, the mac studio so yeah maybe it should be automated studio
0: you never know. It, it is such a nice little computer with so much power. It is crazy. I mean,
1: it looks quite big compared to the Mac Mini. Um, yeah, in comparison, just height wise, but it's still a small machine.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not totally sold on the look of it. I wish they had gone more like cube like, like the old Mac Cube. Mm-hmm. But that I think, oh may, yeah, I, that might be an old man thing. I'm not sure. But the um, but I mean, just the idea of packing that much punch in a box that small is kind of a flex anyway. I I got Mm -hmm. an email from an accountant listener who said, you know, all these podcasters keep apologizing for buying new Macs. He's like, I bought the ultra. It's way more than I need, but I just like knowing I have the ultra. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? You be you. I really think people, uh, you know, we all have our, our failings, you know, like some people like really cool cars or whatever. For me, it's the latest and greatest technology. And I always want the latest Mac, although I'm taking a pass at least for now. I'm, the, uh, the MacBook Pro is, is an amazing, it works with my screen, it, it's really no hassle to plug and unplug it. And um, because of my situation where I have to move around a bit, it really is the ideal computer for what I need right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when all the construction's over, maybe I'll look at it, but to tell you, I'm not, I am, uh, I hate to say this because people are going to rub it in my face later, but my, my plan at this point really is just kind of to keep the MacBook Pro, but you know sometimes things change i guess we'll see but uh so what was your spec which one did you order
1: uh i ordered pretty much the base model but i did uh increase the uh ssd inside of it yeah, um totally. i'm now struggling to remember what i ordered oh my gosh what is wrong with me yeah. um but yeah i i figured the base spec is pretty great um spec wise you yeah. know just compared to some of the other options um and honestly, if it turns out I need more, I guess I'm going to find out in those first two weeks. And if that's the case, I'll have to ship it back. Yeah. Um, but it's coming with 32 gigabytes of RAM. It's got a 10-core CPU, 24-core GPU, and a 16-core neural engine. Um, it's one terabyte SSD because any big stuff that I've got, I'll, I'll chuck on hard drives um, or external SSDs. Um, but it's looking pretty great. I'm wondering if I'm ever going to get to use the 10 gigabit Ethernet port. I very much doubt that, um, just because nothing else that I have really supports 10 gigabits yeah, of internet. but
0: you know, if you keep um, it a while, you may yes. you may be surprising yourself. But the, uh, yeah. the the only thing I would say is I feel like spending extra money on even more storage would have probably been worth it, because
1: probably, I, I've yeah. got
0: this theory, and maybe you and I are exceptions, because it's hard for us to hold on to Apple hardware, it seems, but um, I really think that these Apple Silicon chips are going to be very reliable. And I've said this on the Mac power user. So this might not be a surprise Mm -hmm. to listeners, but just, if you look at the iPad, you know, the iPad had this system on a chip now for what, like 10 years. And you talk to people who have iPads and the problem with the iPad is eventually it gets too old and slow. It's never that the iPad just stopped working. You know, the chips just don't seem to fail. Um and they last a really long time and I think that's going to be something on Macs that is going to increase the lifespan of your Mac. Um, so you know, getting that extra storage or whatnot because in five years maybe the computer is running fine except the one terabyte is just driving you batty because the world has evolved to a point where one terabyte just isn't enough and um that is the one thing I would consider of spending more yeah. of your money. Yeah, I mean.
1: That, that does make a lot of sense, um, but in my particular case, because this is a desktop machine, it's not like I'm going to be taking it places. I do not need to do a, a TJ Luoma and, and stick a external SSD to the outer shell of my, my MacBook, which I still think is a great trick if you're willing to do that. Um, but, oh, I don't want um,
0: to endorse that. That That's mad Well, I mean,
1: it's a great trick if you're willing to do it with the caveat of, you know, this could go potentially horribly wrong at some point. And <laughs> um, only do it with an SSD, people. Don't stick hard drive on the outside of a machine. It will die. Um, and very unfortunately. Um, but I, I think it is worth, um, you know, considering for that sort of thing. But with a desktop, because it's so easy, like, it's I'm not going to take it places. A, a Mac Studio kind of is portable in that I could chuck a portable display and a power cable in my bag and take those with me but I mean if I'm taking a Mac Studio on the road something's probably gone wrong um and I'll have bigger concerns to worry about them whether or not the external hard drives which don't even need power nowadays for a lot of them um are, are okay to to look along with me as well um, so I think it'll be okay because I've got no attached storage and everything here as well. And I'm very good at offloading things. Hazel has been a little savior there of going, hey, uh, this project in this folder, you've not touched it in a couple of weeks. I'm just going to move it into this folder over here where uh, Dropbox Smart Sync goes, hey, that doesn't live on your Mac and gets rid of it. But it's still there and I can easily redownload it if I need it.
0: Yeah, Have you ever heard the theory like you spend as much money as you make and like if you make more money, you just spend more money? I I have the same problem with hard drives. I like, I have a four terabyte hard drive in this computer and it's almost full now. And I I don't even know why I I think it's because all the video stuff I've been doing for the max Sparky labs, I've got to go through and figure that out. But I do think it's only a question of time. And like, I'm talking months, not years before there is a Mac studio size hard drive enclosure, where you can put a big beefy SSD in it. And it probably hopefully has Thunderbolt four connections So it's really fast and you just like stick it underneath it or on top of your Mac Studio. It's going to like match the size perfectly. And then, you know, you're off to the races with more storage. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that does make sense. And I I guess we will uh, see soon uh, whether or not that uh, remains the case. I... I know for me, one of the things I found actually recently, uh, David, this might be a tip for you. Maestro had accidentally eaten up a lot of my hard drive space because I added some new folders with backups of things where my Synology and my parent Synology were uploading backups of certain uh, folders and configurations. And um, yeah, it turns out that eats up storage pretty quickly when uh, Maestro automatically added those folders to my Mac and started syncing them and downloaded them. I was wondering why my internet was so terrible for a day and a half and realized I had three machines downloading the same folders, which were hundreds of gigabytes of data and that's where all my storage space went that's why my mac was running slow so having fixed that problem i'm i'm quite pleased that i don't need to uh worry about it anymore
0: well, i'm i'm pretty stingy with Maestro. The way I use it, so um
1: yeah, I just found if you add a new folder, it doesn't automatically exclude it; it opts uh, to automatically include, yeah. which for me was very much the wrong option in this particular case. It was yeah. like, oh no, 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 this is not what I wanted you to do. Why?
0: Oh yeah, so, I, I see that. It's funny, even when I get rid of the Dropbox software, sometimes Dropbox still messes with me. I see this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you're getting a new Mac. Are you getting a new display? Or are you sticking with the super wide?
1: I'm sticking with the ultra-wide. I love the ultra-wide. There is the potential of a studio display in my future depending on what happens with the iMac. Um, I'm very tempted to keep the iMac and sort of split podcasting from everything else that I do just so that this machine is always ready to go and I can leave it on the older version of the operating system for a while, which sometimes can be a very good thing uh, when it comes to uh, latest macOS stuff. Um, So I'll I'll see what happens there. But if I move the iMac... um, the way that I'm thinking of doing it, then that might result in a a, a studio display sitting approximately where the iMac is. And a 27 inch display would fit there. Um, it's just a question of do I go visa mount or do I do the height and tilt adjustable
0: one. Yeah, and you are very beta friendly, so I think having a podcasting machine that stays off the beta is a good idea.
1: Yeah, I'm beta friendly, but I I very specifically did it on my laptop the last few times because I don't podcast from my laptop except in emergencies. Um, sort of last case, you know, everything else has failed. Must more, must podcast from a machine, and nothing's working. Can take the laptop somewhere else, so it's a backup. Um, but yeah, it would be good to have a definitely solid, ready to go. Uh, machine just for the podcasting
0: well i am um, i'm very happy with this Macbook pro. I'm not saying I won't chuck it overboard someday and get a mac studio if if it, if that makes sense for me but i uh'm really happy with this, but I will tell you that since buying it, I have now taken two uh far away trips and only having one mac I am like panicked um with this sixteen inch very expensive macbook pro going in my bag and getting on airplanes and Like it just barely fits in my bag because of the size. And, um, I would, if I, um, if it wasn't for the rumors of the M two MacBook air, I would buy probably a MacBook air today just for when I'm going around and I want a Mac with me. I, I really feel like this laptop is really a desktop laptop. And that's really not a move around laptop. And, um, and I like, I don't mind unhooking it and bring it to a different room. if I need a screencast for three hours or whatever. But, you know, I, I went to Wisconsin and it's like really cold. You're getting banged around on airplanes. And I was like the whole time I was worried about this computer. I would much rather mm-hmm. have something smaller, but um, I've just been kind of waiting. But it's been weird for me only having one Mac. That's, that's kind of a new thing for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it is something that you need to be able to use day in, day out. It is advisable to have um, a machine that you can leave at home even if it's not your preferred uh, option Um, and i know you can probably borrow a a laptop from daisy or one of your daughters in an absolute emergency but equally would be ideal to not have to resort to that and have something that's already got some of your config on it so that you're Kind of ready to go.
0: So the rumors are the M2 MacBook Air is going to have colors, which is cool. And it's going to be slightly better than the M1. So it'll be a little faster, mm-hmm. I'm sure, maybe a little bit better memory options. But um really it's going to be kind of the MacBook Air class M1 chip. And the mm-hmm. question the the question I'll face at the time is would it would I be better buying like a really low end 14 inch MacBook Pro with the cool screen and all the features that MacBook Pro has, or just get a MacBook Air? my inclination yeah. is the air but i don't know it's
1: one of those things where i feel like if if you're genuinely concerned about needing a backup machine where you're going to be able to do all the things that you could do on your main machine albeit potentially a bit slower I'd probably go Pro over Air yeah, just because it's got that much more power. You, and don't forget, they'll both use MagSafe.
0: That, but I don't want to do it. I, I don't know. We'll I wait know. And see. It's more, wait. it's
1: more money, but also they both use MagSafe and you've got all the extra ports on there. Yeah, um, that's
0: true too. Man. I,
1: I feel is not. Um, uh, that's that's a pretty good point of things to consider. Because I, the last thing you want to do, you know, you're in automated Sparky mode and you're just plugging things in and you try and shove some stuff into the side of the Mac, only it's a different Mac. And there's no ports on that side. Yeah. And and so you have to go and find an adapter or a dongle and plug everything into that. And yeah, just seems like it's going to go wrong.
0: The other thing is my computer needs are much heavier now that I'm not a lawyer. I'm doing way mm-hmm. more video and like high end stuff that actually does push the processors. So it's like, uh, okay, well, yep. in that mind i guess we should make a podcast <laughs> sorry yeah, for the little so. uh rundown mac hardware but i had to check in with rose and and i think everybody's always interested in what you're up to rose so i uh but oh, yeah. I, I think you're probably on to something keep keep the imac with all your podcasting and just keep it on stable a platform go nuts with the new machine i think you're gonna love it you'll have to tell us what you think of it once you get it but i think you're gonna love it This episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Go to linkedin.com slash automators and post a job for free. During the great career reshuffle we've been seeing, and in my case, experiencing, a record number of employees are considering switching jobs. So now's your chance to try to attract them. LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you connect with people you want to interview faster and for free. In my experience, hiring people can be really difficult. Not only do you have to find the right skill set, but you also have to find the right chemistry and the right fit for your workplace. Especially with small companies, hiring the right person is so important to a business. You can really spoil things if you get the wrong person. On the flip side, the right person can elevate a team. So LinkedIn Jobs is there to help you get that right person. You can create a free job post in minutes at LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. This is why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators. That link again is linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. All right. So, Rose, Shortcuts on the Mac has been out, what now, six months or so. And mm-hmm. um I thought it'd be a good time to check in on it. Uh, how are you doing with it?
1: Well, once I got my head around some of the peculiarities that come with Shortcuts being a Mac application rather than it being an iOS application on the Mac. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Um, There are still uh, times where things don't necessarily go quite to plan. Um, uh, Usually when I've created a shortcut on a completely different device, like I've created it on my iPhone with the intention of running it on my Mac, um, and there's just something that I haven't thought about um, with how I'm doing things. Um, But I'm doing much better than I had anticipated for a while. I felt for a little while that it was going to be quite tricky um, to get things working, and it was buggy to start with as um I'm sure people are aware just because it's a whole different ball game being on the Mac to being on iOS. Yeah. But now I've worked around some of the things like the share sheet. It exists on macOS, but it's not really the same kind of thing. Um, And so that's why Shortcuts has support for Quick Actions. But fortunately, um, as we'll get to, somebody's got a a little rescuer for us uh, for that. Um, Then I'm I'm doing much better than I was originally.
0: Yeah, and we're going to do a full show on Shortcuts for Mac. Uh, Rose is in the midst of upgrading her Shortcuts for Mac book. And I'm in the midst of about to release the next Shortcuts for Mac or the first Shortcuts for Mac field guide. So we both have been digging in really deep i can tell you that when i first started recording for this field guide six months ago it's crazy that this one has taken so long but they were like looking at my notes there's all these videos where it's like hold for apple bug hold for apple bug that was like a category and so many of the videos i couldn't record at the beginning because there was some problem and all of those have dropped off now. I'm not saying there aren't any bugs, but for the videos I wanted to shoot, I'm able to shoot them now. And they're coming out good, and I'm finding myself just using it under fire a lot more. It's it's more than just a curiosity to me at this point. Um, so I, I think they've, they've made progress. I know they worked really hard on it. Kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, you've seen... Um, just through social media and whatnot, some of the old Apple Script Automator gang at Apple—the people who were there with Sal at the beginning—showing up on the Shortcuts team now, and I think that's a really good sign that you know people who understand automation on the Mac are getting their hands in the code, and that that's I think one of the reasons why it's getting together. I mean, I'm not trying to um, cast um, aspersions on the original team, but I mean they built it for iPhone and iPad. It's good to have some some folks in there that are used to coding automation for Mac. You know, get the best possible people in there, and it's it's really coming along. So, um, if you've been staying away from it, I'd say give it a try. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff you can do with it. I still have like later in today's show. I I'm really facing a quandary because I feel like some of the automation that I've been doing in Keyboard Maestro will be better in Shortcuts because of some of the features Shortcuts has, and I'm just I've got to make some decisions but uh, uh, I do run into bugs once in a while, but not nearly as much. I do think Mm -hmm. the user interface elements of it still seem kind of like temporary, like, okay, let's just put this in for now and eventually we'll come back and do it better. That's kind of a feeling I get from a lot of it, but it works. It's not, ugly. I mean, it's not pretty. It's not necessarily ugly, but it works. And I think at some point it'll get prettier and um, that will be nice when that happens.
1: Yes, yes. Especially things like, for example, selecting a variable um, or putting a variable into a text field. That's the one that always gets me. So you right click and you go insert variable. And I don't know, like, it's just so small, the the variable that gets inserted. And it sounds really, really nitpicky. Um, I'm very aware of that. But also it is one of those things where it does just look very tiny it's not so obvious that that's a variable and i feel like maybe bumping up the font size and come on come on shortcuts team the, the the mac's a big device we've got a really great scroll wheel or trackpad built in you know give us give us a big text field uh that we can put some text in
0: yeah or even like when it, you do a variable call and you type something in you would think hitting yeah. enter would just click the done button but it actually hits a carriage return and like the it's just like it's just not you know, it wasn't made for somebody using a keyboard and it's still yeah. got stuff like that all over the place. Another place I would say that to me is feels really rickety is when you are inserting variables into an action call and like you can easily enough right click and put in a magic variable or just type in a variable name and it'll fill it in for you. But what if you want to add some text to that? You know, like say the answer is colon space and then insert a variable Uh, getting that text in after the variables there feels very difficult to me. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. you have to land the cursor like in a very small target area or you may actually just wipe out the variable or it's just very easy to break that.
1: Though, though I have to say, David, that's been happening to me a lot recently on iOS. You know, I've been yeah. editing, like I've used the dictionary, and I've tried to get a specific key, and I've typed it, and I've tapped done, yeah, and then my variables disappeared, or I formatted the current date in a specific way, yeah, and it's disappeared. Yeah. Um, and it's slightly annoying, and I'm ending up using uh extra actions. So, for example, I'll format, I'll use a format date action on the current date, um, and then go from there, um, rather than inserting the current date variable tapping on it or clicking on it on the mac and then editing the formatting yeah Um, just because it does seem to disappear at times and i need to file that um, as feedback actually to make sure that the team are aware of that because if you don't file feedback they don't know
0: yeah well i'm sure they're aware of these these are so endemic you know working with variables is the whole point right but the um Mm. but the, you know, that's always been a little tricky on touch, but with keyboard and mouse, it's, it just seems like it's like second level. Um, and we sound like we're negative, but really we're not. I mean, I think this is really coming along and it's get the promise is here, you know, we're going to get good automation tools that we can use across all of Apple platforms. I do think that in the future we'll look back on this year as the rough one. You know, when mm-hmm. they were getting it onto the Mac and there was a lot of work to do and it took a while. But uh, overall, I'm, I'm happy with the product and I'm happy it exists because it's allowing me to do some automations that were quite difficult before without really digging deep on Script. Yes. The um, But one of the things on the Mac that has come up and has kind of made the rounds is how do you trigger shortcuts on the Mac short of going in and, you know, triggering it in the application or even you know like they have a menu bar app but that thing is very wily for me too i do, do you get this where like if you put too many in the menu bar and you click on the menu bar it like opens and then closes the menu bar thing without ever letting you click a uh, shortcut uh
1: yes i have found that um which is one of the reasons why um i'm not putting that many in there yeah. and i have been in the very early beta stages of testing um, a, an app for the Mac, it, it's not available yet. As soon as I can give a beta link to anybody else um, or a release link, I will let you, David, and all the listeners know, yeah. which can change, uh, or it doesn't change what's in the shortcuts menu bar app, but it can show you different shortcuts depending on which focus mode you're in in your menu bar. Yeah. Um, because that to me, like, you know, if I'm a, in a podcasting focus mode, I need different shortcuts to if I'm in my work focus mode, yeah. and so on and so forth. And I, I love the fact that shortcut syncs between devices, um, but the menu bar status also syncs between devices, which means that I have exactly the same shortcuts in my menu bar, regardless of which Mac I'm on, um, which has uh, been slightly problematic, meaning I tend not to use that, which is a shame.
0: Yeah, that, that is a weird thing. Like, focus mode is awesome, and getting a consistent display of your focus mode in the menu bar makes so much sense and i hope that's something that they catch up with but if there's a third party app that shows up to solve that problem i am going to be there on day one
1: (laughs) yes yes as soon as i can let everybody know about that i will do but uh yeah in the meantime though there's some other people who've tried to make it a bit easier uh including the shortcuts team because they added support for um adding a shortcut to your doc which is nice um and i I like it in many ways. And so what I did for my parents is um, my dad didn't want lots of things added to his doc, but there were lots of little things where he, you know, forgets, you know, how to do this sequence of events or something. So I created some shortcuts for him, which essentially just open applications in sequence and then um open uh it, it creates a new sticky um and it puts the the information in the sticky i, I had to farm out to apple script for that bit um but um what i've done for him is i used the add shortcuts to dock option which is only available from the main shortcuts window when you've got um all the squares of your shortcuts you can click on one and then use the menu to add it to your dock and i took it out of the dock but that meant that all of these shortcut shortcuts so it was a shortcut to a shortcut where my user's applications folder, or in this case, my dad's user's applications folder, and I put those in a folder and put that folder in the doc for him. So now he has a folder in the dock, which is basically get help from Rose. Um, and then it shows him um, a grid of uh, the, uh, the icons that I've set up with uh, the titles so that he can easily jump to certain shortcuts, which is quite a user-friendly way of setting some of these things up for other people, though it's not the most... Automator friendly approach that I would use for myself.
0: Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, it is funny. A lot of these ways people are doing them are are a little hacky, but they work, you know. And and I'm getting them to work consistently. So, uh, increasingly, mm-hmm. I'm able to to work on sh- or run shortcuts without opening the application.
1: Yes, yes. Do
0: you use um, the quick actions feature um, and the Finder integration.
1: Quick actions in the Finder integration are something which I'm very glad exists, um, and they're kind of an alternative to the share sheet. Yeah. Um, and so people might have noticed um, that in the um, in the sidebar of a shortcut on the Mac, you've got options in the details, and you can just check uses quick action. I should note, on its own, this does nothing. What you have to do then is you have to select one of the options. So there's Finder. Uh, Depending on your device, there might be Touch Bar. That recently showed up on my iMac. Not quite sure why it's on my iMac, but anyway. Um, Services menu and whether or not the quick actions should provide output. Um, That only appeared in uh, 12.3 on macOS. Um, But... um, for example, that the output can then replace the selected text. But this doesn't work the same way as the share sheet. It's, it's the right click menu, uh, which if you do right click in something like Google Docs, which I've just done, I've got some selected text in Google Docs and I've right clicked, I get a Google Docs menu. So it depends on the application you're in as to whether or not that's even supported as something you can use. But then if you've selected a quick action, then it should be under services um, in in the right click menu for you. And so I've got a load of my shortcuts in there, which is quite nice. Um, and then there's the Finder option, which allows you to accept things in Finder um, to trigger this. Um, but it, as I said, it doesn't work quite the same way as the Share Sheet. Um, so that's something that people need to be aware of, um, just because it can accept different kinds of um, input, but it doesn't always accept. Uh, the input in the way that you would expect. And if you you have to turn on, for example, if you want same shortcut to work on iOS and macOS, you have to select ShareSheet and Quick Actions, um, which it uses the Services menu, um, and then you have to change the input type. Unfortunately, there's quite a bit of overlap with the input type, but you may find it difficult to share, for example, an App Store app into um, the into shortcuts on the Mac. That's something I've struggled with a few times. Mostly, I think, just because it's, it's being a little bit weird. Um, but it, it seems to be working better than I expected. And it's really nice to be able to right-click a file in Finder and say, hey, run this shortcut on it, please, and just have it do magic.
0: Yeah, I agree that quick actions are best run in the Finder. And yeah. uh, the one limitation that bugs me is that, in general, the quick actions menu is limited to four items. And you can enable too many quick actions. It doesn't scale well. Um, like if you have, I have a bunch of quick actions related to PDFs. And if I right click on a PDF, a lot of times I don't see the Mm. shortcut based quick action because I've got too many and it just doesn't make the list. You can customize the list and move them up, but I feel like it should be more user friendly where you don't have to go into like a second tier, um, menu system to make that happen. Yeah.
1: Yes, in the Finder, because it, what happens is if you enable the quick action, so you check users quick action, then you check Finder, you get a quick actions menu, yeah. um, which has like the icon of your shortcut in. But if you also enable it in the services menu yeah. and it accepts that kind of input, then it's usually in there and that list can get nice and long. Yeah, um, But you do have to be pretty smart um, and I'd always recommend this clean up what, kind of input your shortcut accepts by default it accepts everything and anything Um, if you only ever want to be able to give it pdfs go in and change that um, and be be you know good about that and go in and try and sort those things out on a regular basis because if you don't you end up with 500 shortcuts in your in your share sheet and your services menu and that gets annoying pretty quickly when you're searching for that one that i know is here somewhere but where
0: Yeah, and that's a weird thing, too, because it, by default, has them all checked, which means everybody's going to make these. I guess they're thinking, well, let's make it as easy as possible for it to apply Mm -hmm. whenever you need it, but... It would be easier, I think, if it was unchecked by default and you could just pick the one. And then too. it didn't show
1: up, so yeah. people had to go and select something. Yeah. 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 I always start by clicking on the Any and then clicking the Clear in the bottom right. And I, I do the same thing on iOS just because that way it gets rid of everything and then I have to sit down and think, what do I actually want to go into this? You know, I want images. Okay, just images, select images, done.
0: Well, uh, another way to trigger shortcuts on the Mac is with folder triggers.
1: mm. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that's been around for ages. So people might be thinking, wait, what, like Hazel and, you know, Hazel's been doing some pretty cool stuff, but we're not talking about that just yet. We're yeah. talking about the, the Mac OS built in folder triggers yeah, where folder if you select actions, a folder really or the folder action. Yeah. yeah. So if you select a folder uh, on the Mac and, and you right click, then you will be able to add folder actions. Um, and I'm not 100% certain if this is default. In my right-click menu under services, I've got the option to manage folder actions, but I think that I got that added by setting up a folder action in the first place. Um, So we'll put a link in the show notes as to where uh, or how you can set up the folder actions because it does require you to do a couple of uh, steps, Um, but it is nice to be able to use the default macOS folder actions for things as well. Um, because that way you can have theoretically any file landing in a folder trigger a shortcut.
0: Yeah. This has been around, like you said, a long time. I mean, like the, the, um, the usual use case for this people used to always share would be like, Oh, well, if you wanted to resize a bunch of images, you could have a special folder. And when you drag the images into the folder, it triggers the folder action that resizes the images for you and you don't have to run any other automation, um, I just have never found much use for that. I would like the way I resize is just with a quick action or a service. I like Mm -hmm. to just do one at a time and then save them to the desktop because, you know, I'm going to use them immediately. I've never really had the need to resize a thousand images at once. So um, I feel like folder actions are better with a big pile of files, but I Mm -hmm. honestly don't find a lot of use for it for the stuff I do, but I know they're there. Uh, AppleScript is another way that you can run shortcuts. And uh, there's just a simple AppleScript call. Like I, I did a thing at Max Barkey recently with a um, keyboard maestro script. And I ran a shortcut in it just with an AppleScript call. It's just, it's not that hard, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah, it, it is. Um, And for people going, wait, how hard is this? It's called tell application, quote, shortcuts, quote, to run shortcut, quote, the name of your shortcut, yeah. quote. That's it you can give it input and other things and if you want to do that check out the sh- the uh the apple script dictionary which you'll find in script debugger or script editor but it is a very very simple shortcut which means that if you you know if you want to get started and just play with that a little bit then it's going to be pretty easy to do and you'll be able to reuse that same logic in things like bunch, keyboard maestro, alfred and so on and so forth that so we do have some special options to share for those
0: yeah anywhere you can run an apple script you can you can run it and uh that that's nice um
1: hmm. it really is yes
0: you can do it in the terminal too and i have i just lost my notes i have some notes here on it
1: yeah yeah running in the terminal is one of those things where perhaps it's a little bit geekier um but i'm in the terminal anyway for a bunch of things and it's quite nice to be able to pass input to a shortcut um inside the Terminal. Um, And so if if you open up the Terminal app, or iTerm, whatever, your app of choice is there, um, on the Mac, and just type shortcuts, um, it won't do much. You're not going to blow up your computer by doing this, um, even if you've got 1,063 shortcuts uh, without folders, which is what I last discovered. Um, But it'll tell you what to do. Um, And then you can type shortcuts run, name of your shortcut, you can type shortcuts list, which lists all of your shortcuts, um, and pro tip on that one if you type shortcuts list minus minus folders then you can get a list of all your folders back and you will also be able to get a list of shortcuts in each folder and so on and so forth um but it's it's one of those things where if you're in the command line anyway doing some things then it's nice to have as an option but i suspect most people probably aren't using that
0: yeah i that's another one i just don't find much use for if i'm going to run it through a script call I'll just do it through Apple script because I'm I'm rarely in the terminal yeah it makes sense there's more though
1: <laughs> oh yeah there is there is because um, well I think to start with we should talk about sharebot because I mentioned earlier that the quick actions are not the sh- same as the share sheet yeah um, and that is very evident whenever you go to click share and there are no shortcuts present yeah except if you use sharebot in which case you can make uh, shortcuts show up in the menu bar. Uh, sorry, in the share sheet, because that's what it does. Um, and it's a pretty great application, David. Two ninety nine, and it does just do all the things, which makes me pretty darn happy.
0: Yeah, and this is one that I really hope gets Sherlocked at some point. But until oh, yeah. then, for three bucks, it's worth it.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, you know, there, there, there could be workarounds with a bunch of other things, but you set a default shortcut to run um, when you you do things, and then you will, um, you know, sorry. To start with, you create a, a run shortcut action, um, which you can do. You just do it through the Sharebot app when you set it up, and then what happens is that is the shortcut that runs and what it does is um it it goes through and it tries to pass it basically to um the correct option for you um so that you get to see so you choose from your shortcut and you it runs the shortcut on each item in your input so if you select 15 things and share those 15 things to shortcuts with the run shortcut action uh through sharebot it runs the shortcut on those 15 items
0: yeah the, uh, the one that I really like and the one I find myself using the most just kind of in under fire is the Alfred integration. And oh, you know, yeah. not everybody uses Alfred. We did a whole show on it. Both Rose and I are big fans. But I, I think the Alfred integration is great. Um, there's a couple different ways to do this. Um, Stephen Millard did one over at Thought Asylum. And there's yes. also a, a kind of a plug-in for Alfred. Who is this by? I've got it. Oh, let me just here hold a second
1: if it's called bypass that is from Stephen millard
0: uh no the one i'm using is called shortcuts by uh vitor galveo and um and i just type sc and then space in the name of the shortcut and it fires off which is a shortcut workflow for alfred we'll put a link for both Mm. of these in they're they're both great and um you know, running a shortcut from Alfred because I do so much else from Alfred is, is kind of the way to go for me.
1: Yes, yes. One of the things I should mention, um, and, and th- there's going to be a mini segment um, now probably called the Stephen Millard Appreciation Segment, yeah. um, is that um, his um, shortcuts integration for Alfred? he's also got one for Keyboard Maestro, um, but it really does let you do everything. So you can run a shortcut, you can run it with input, you can run it for a specific folder, a specific folder with input, by name, by name with input, on text, on a URL, on a file, all sorts of things. And you can also like copy the URL to run a shortcut um, and copy the names of shortcuts or copy your shortcuts folder names and things like that he's really gone all out um and this is an amazingly powerful workflow and I pretty much just use it to run a shortcut and I feel slightly guilty about that but you know what it's working brilliantly for that um and I'm I'm really pleased that you know when I when I want to play with the other features they're right there um so that that makes it even better.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It, it, it's just crazy how much the kind of the the Apple ecosystem has shown up to find ways to make this easy. Um, yeah. Uh, there's also a, a Stream Deck um, button.
1: Yeah, which, um, as I said, Stephen Miller depreciation section. He, yeah. he did... Uh, bypass for shortcuts which comes in three parts there's a stream deck um there's alfred and then there's keyboard maestro which isn't called bypass but um i'm i'm gonna classify it in the same group because it's another excellent um integration with shortcuts that he's made um so you know he gets full credit for that he's really been doing lots of great things we'll have to get him back on the show at some point to talk about everything he's been up to um but You know, if you're looking for easy ways to run shortcuts, fortunately, there's some great people who've done all of the hard work for you, which is really nice.
0: Well, you know, shortcuts, who who would have thunk, you know, the Mac automation community would embrace shortcuts in a way that makes it easy to trigger them anywhere. We still have all the other stuff, you know, Keyboard Maestro, Hazel, Apple Script, Terminal, whatever you want. And now we can mix and match. And that's exactly what I was hoping for when this was announced.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly, yes. It is great to have all of the options available to us, um, especially when, you know, we can weave them into everything else that we do on a daily basis.
0: Uh, While it's easy to call a shortcut um, from, you know, other automation tools like Keyboard Maestro or or what have you, um, what I would really like is the ability to kind of like go deeper and embed portions of a shortcut, like in a Keyboard Maestro, you know, like shortcuts Mm. contacts actions are really good and the way i've been getting around it is i'll just do the stuff that's easy in keyboard maestro first and then i'll do the stuff that's easy to do in shortcuts at the end and just call it out of keyboard maestro um yeah i i do i would like to see even deeper integration you know um uh, but you know we'll get there this is early days yeah
1: yes we will and it's one of those things where you know we'll, we'll also see ideas from other people um, as to how we can do things like that. Because my first instinct, when you said, you know, call actions from um, a short, uh, individual shortcuts actions will create a one-action shortcut um, that will accept the input and then yeah. return whatever it is that is needed or do whatever the action is that needs to be done. Um, and um, that that's what my instinct is. But yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to do.
0: Well, that's probably the only way to do it right now. But... I'd like to see it get even more integrated. You know me, I'm always trying to find ways to make this easier for folk because I think the more we, the easier we make the path, the more people that get on it.
1: Yeah. Speaking of uh, things to make the path easier, I did mention earlier that we would get to Hazel. Hazel has support for run shortcut. Um, and this is an action that you can use inside of Hazel. And it's going to be easier than using um, the native macOS folder actions in my experience yeah. because you can. Uh, say hey i only want this to run on this kind of thing and so on and so forth and so you get the protection of filtering through hazel as well as whatever filtering you've set up in in shortcuts um so if you only want things with i don't know the name bank statement that are pdfs to go through your shortcut can just accept pdfs and hazel can filter for pdfs with the name bank statement in whatever your special folder is um which I really appreciate.
0: Yeah, I haven't tried this yet, but like one of my uh, common Hazel like plugins is I have an Apple script that adds a task to OmniFocus based on the type of document that I'm processing. Like if I get mm-hmm. the uh, water bill, then it adds a task pay water bill to OmniFocus using Apple script. Well, Apple script is kind of creaky. Um, I'm assuming I could make a really simple shortcut that would add that OmniFocus task and just run it out of Hazel when it identifies a water bill. I need to go in and yeah. play with that. Um, but I, I yeah. think that wouldn't be that difficult.
1: Nope, it wouldn't be. The only thing I'll say is when you first enable it, if you've got over a thousand shortcuts, it takes a while. Um, and um, yeah, I I had not enabled it on my work Mac. So I just reached over and enabled it. And my work Mac is currently sitting there with a lovely little beach ball on Hazel while it, yeah. it tries to update the 1000 shortcuts plus that I've given it access to.
0: Oh, yeah. And it, it is... That's a whole separate problem, like managing large volumes of uh, scripts and, uh, and mm-hmm. shortcuts. Uh, like my uh, folder for the shortcuts for Mac field guide currently has 140 downloadable scripts for the when I release the field guide. And like if I try to like move things around in there, it is really creaky. And that in icon view, it's really creaky. In list view, it's impossible. I don't know why, yeah. but list view just completely breaks when you've got, you know, more than like 20 or 30 shortcuts in a folder.
1: Yeah, the the list view is uh, something that I'm, I'm glad it exists, um, but I find it just not very helpful because I don't get more shortcuts in the view. I just get the information about how many actions I've got and when they were last modified. I can't add more columns. I can't sort by any of those columns. Um, and running a shortcut means i i have to you know go all the way to the left every time yeah. um to 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 click on it whereas if i'm in the grid view then i just click on the top right of any shortcut and it's a pretty big click target so that works nicely
0: this episode of the automators is brought to you by fitbod go to fitbod.me automators to get 25 percent off your membership and get stronger faster with a fitness plan that fits you Between balancing work, family, and everything else you have going in your life, it can sometimes be hard to make fitness a priority. What you need is a program that works with you, not against you, and that's why you need FitBod. FitBod's algorithm learns about you, your goals, and your training ability and will craft a personalized exercise plan that's unique to you. And their app makes it incredibly easy to learn exactly how to perform each exercise. Personal fitness isn't about competing with other people. You don't want to look to others to try and stack up against them and do what they do. What you need is something that will work for you, and that's when it'll really stick, when you see the results you're looking for. FitVod uses data to create and adjust your dynamic fitness plan, and you'll have instant access to your own personalized routine in their fantastic app, so you can make progress in your goals from anywhere. I'm a FitBod user. I love it because it does really track with me. I'm not looking for six-pack abs here. I just want to be fit and take better care of myself. And FitBod does that without screaming in my ear. It gives me reasonable, good exercises I can do while watching nerdy YouTube videos. It's a perfect fit for me. Everyone's fitness path is different, which is why FitBod does so much work to make sure they customize things exactly to suit you. They make sure to learn from your last workout so your next one will be even better, whether you work out twice a day or twice a week. FitBot even tracks your muscle recovery to make sure your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises to make sure you're not overworking anything. The FitBot app is so simple to use and recently got an update with a fantastic new design. With brand new HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles to make sure that learning each exercise is a breeze, and it also integrates with your Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. But you can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me automators. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me automators, and you'll get 25% off your membership. Once again, that's fitbod.me slash automators for that 25% off. And our thanks to Fitbod for their support of the automators and all of Relay FM. Okay, uh Stream Deck check-ins. Uh Rose, we did the Stream Deck show. That was a long time ago, in relative terms. What are you doing with your Stream Deck these days?
1: Uh I'm pressing buttons pretty much Um, and the buttons are doing various different things, which is pretty great. I have been playing with creating uh, even more automations where I just call, you know, like this, these, these actions at this time and those actions at that time so that I can have, um, you know, a drafts button that most of the time will just, you know, paste whatever it is into a new draft and bring it to the front but if i am for example podcasting um then it will paste it into a draft and um or rather create a new draft in the background and just leave it there because if i'm saving stuff into drafts while i'm podcasting it's usually because i just want it out the way for the time being yeah. um, and i'll circle back to it later
0: yeah i am finding myself using much more advantage of the icon pages you know like before i would i would try and keep it limited like i'd have one page for max Sparky or one page and even though i've got the big one uh i'm getting to where i just have no c- compunction about making additional screens like i have a screen just for this podcast and mm-hmm. and on that it's got a ton of weird things like it's got some web links like to the sponsor read page or to the show planning documents it's got a uh it's got a keyboard maestro script that takes the selected file and copies it to the um to the folder that we share with our editor and i've got another Mm -hmm. one that just opens up a folder where we normally save our recorded files it's just like all the tedious stuff i do in relation to the show i've put on a button one way or another i've got one there's a button here that just displays the time zone for you you know uh, so i know what time it is where you're at at any time i mean there's uh I really started to think about it more like, Hey, you know, just these pages are free. You know what I mean? It doesn't cost extra to make extra pages and the get out of jail free card. If you want to do that to me are, I have what I call home screen buttons. I have personal and I have max Sparky home screen buttons. And then I have another one. That's like a home screen button. That's like a master directory to a bunch of other pages. So um and those are always in the lower left three buttons like the lower lowest um, row bottom three buttons are always the same buttons in every screen i make so anytime i want if i drill down too deeply i just push one button and get back to kind of the root and uh, i find that works just fine and so i've been making a lot more pages as i've been kind of embracing that that theory yes
1: Yeah, I've been doing something similar, um, pages and profiles. And one of the things that I realized, because um, somebody uh, said in the Automators forum after the last episode, because I mentioned in the last episode where we did a quick check-in on the pedal, that one of my problems with profiles is that it pings back to my default profile after a while. And they said, you know, you've not got any applications that are activating certain profiles or something, do you? And I thought, no, no, I don't. And I went through and checked and I realized default is an optional checkbox. So you haven't, you don't have to have um, a default profile, and so I thought I'll just try on checking it because I can get back to my personal default profile um, anytime I like by just pressing. I've got the same as you, David. I've got a button on on every Stream Deck profile to get me back there, and you know what? That person solved my problem by asking a question. Um, if I don't have a default profile, then my Stream Deck doesn't randomly seemingly switch profiles, which means that I can um, activate specific profiles on my pedal and on my mainstream deck, and it will just stay there until I go back to the home instead of it seemingly randomly after just X, Y, Z period of time switching my profiles back. Um, And that has been a game changer because it's meant that instead of um, me creating folders and so on, I've extracted all of that and they're now in even more profiles than I had before. Uh, which works really, really well. And I'm I'm really glad. Um, I've forgotten who it was in the Automators forum who asked um, if I had any application-specific profiles that might be causing the bounce back. Um, but whoever it is deserves the credit for um, making sure that I went through and poked and realized, hey, I don't actually need a default profile.
0: Yeah, I actually do use the feature where with some apps, uh, when I trigger an app, it jumps to their profile. Um, Mm -hmm. I find that useful for a couple of things, like for Apple Mail, um, because I've got a very complicated set of Apple scripts running to kind of add features to Apple Mail. And I get a whole list of buttons, you know, whenever I go to that page. And I just like that they just automatically pop up whenever I go in Apple Mail so I can process mail without having to like um, navigate to it on the stream deck. The other one I do that for, which I may turn off, is an Obsidian because I've also programmed a lot of Obsidian into Stream Deck buttons. So there's a couple where it makes sense for me. Um, but uh, generally, I don't have those automatic triggers based on apps.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense. It's one of those things where, um, you know, I I like the idea of having automated things based on apps, but sometimes it ends up with unexpected results. Um, let's just say where, you know, I I go to try and do something and then it it, it ends up not quite coming back with the results that I'd wanted. Um and I don't know a hundred percent why that is. Um, but I I'm I'm okay with manually selecting my profiles depending on what I'm going to. The only thing I wish is that there was a way to do that through anything other than um, you know, a button on the Stream Deck or um you know going opening the stream deck software and changing the profile because that that is unfortunately the the one thing that i really would like to have entirely automated so when i select my automators recording bunch that it also changes my stream deck profile to my automators profile giving me the things that i need there
0: yeah that's true i hadn't thought of that the um uh, i do find the process of customizing it kind of delightful it's it's just the kind of like nerd candy that works for me so Mm -hmm. i do enjoy customizing it but i i try not to do it during like productive work time i'll make a note um i find that the km link third party uh, plugin is still the one i use the most because so much of the stuff I want to, if I don't put it on a button, and there are ways you can do it with built-in stuff like um, a, a keyboard shortcut, there there are some basic rudimentary ones you can put on buttons in it. Like earlier, I talked about opening a specific folder. I just use the built-in action to open a folder that that makes sense for me. But for anything with any complexity, I just build a keyboard maestro script and just tie it with KM Link and. Mm-hmm that is like by far the most useful for me because I can do almost anything with keyboard maestro, including launch shortcuts, you know? So there's just, it's just like the kind of like magic bullet. Uh, keyboard maestro for me has become a liability in a certain extent because, you know, what they say, when you have a hammer, everything's a nail. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it, for me, keyboard maestro is like the place I want to automate everything on my Mac because I'm so familiar with its tool set and, and what it can do. And it's so powerful that it almost holds me back on some things.
1: Yes, it is one of those things where I end up using Keyboard Maestro for a lot of things that maybe it wasn't intended to do. Um, but you know what? It's been working pretty darn well for that. Yeah, so it does. I'm, That's the
0: thing, right? It Yeah, works. It,
1: yeah it, it can save the day in so many ways. And I'm, I'm going to give a great example here. So I'm using KM Link and Keyboard Maestro with my Stream Deck Pedal. Okay. And so we're talking right now, we're recording a podcast and, you know, I click over to, you know, add a link to the show notes or something, and then we need to add a timestamp. Okay. So the middle button right now, I press it, it switches back to Safari and it switches to the Safari window with Google doc in the title. It presses command down arrow so that I'm at the bottom of the show notes, it puts in a return and then it inserts the timestamp of our current recording time. And it, you know, and that was, no work at all pretty much to set up with keyboard maestro i'd already done some futzing around to get a macro that does the um the timestamp so yeah. when we start recording um i save um the current timestamp into a variable through keyboard maestro and that starts that macro starts the recording in um audio hijack as well and then i've got another one which gets the current timestamp and that's hooked up to a couple of things a keyboard shortcut and this amazing Stream Deck pedal macro so from anywhere at any time I can just hit the button. It's going to activate that window, go to the bottom, hit return and insert a timestamp. Um and that's pretty amazing and I'm just sitting here pressing it wondering how many timestamps it's going to take for David to start backspacing on some of those. No, I'm watching um, them and
0: I'm I'm <laughs> fascinated. And I like one of the things I said earlier, I've got this MacBook Pro that I'm I'm a vagabond right now because for various reasons like some of the kids are home and the uh we just have a lot of people in our small house right now, and I'm going to start a construction project to solve that problem. But uh when I, I came upstairs today and I have a little temporary desk and I'm recording in the bedroom back to the max Sparky roots, but I don't have my stream deck or my pedal with me because it's all wired into my desk downstairs. And if it wasn't for the fact I'm about to spend a pile of money adding a room to my house, and this will be a permanent thing for me, I would be so tempted just buy a second one uh, and mm-hmm. have it up here when I do this because, like, I am so jealous. Um, Rose has put like I think she's she's taunting me now that they're just showing up over and over. Are you just holding your foot on the pedal, Rose? What's going no.
1: on? No, and so this is something that I actually really like. If you press your foot on the pedal and you leave it there, it doesn't repeat the entry. Okay, um, and this is something that that's just what Stream Deck does. If you press and hold any button, it, it won't repeat it. Um, at least on the pedal. And so I can just sit here and I've got my foot in a great position. All those years of piano lessons have very sure. clearly paid off yeah. um, because I'm just pedaling away, taunting David with, God, I have no idea, a hundred of these things that <laughs> <Yeah. are. laughs> It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, it is incredibly Great to have that because it means because what I what I always do and I should note that this is kind of critical to the workflow. So I always have the Automator's dock in a separate Safari window, and I don't open anything else in that window. Everything else happens in another Safari window, which means that I can use. Um, so I'm using the Activate Safari um, command, which I don't think I need, but I had it in there to start with, um, and so I've just left it there. And then I'm using the Bring Windows with Name Containing to Front. And this is a great Keyboard Maestro action. So you can say uh, bring to front or minimize, uh, unminimize, zoom, close, center, move and resize, whatever you like. Um, Windows with the title containing whatever you type. And then you can even specify a specific application. And that's what I've done because there might be something else with a window name that says Google Doc. But I want specifically the Safari window with Google Doc for this um, so that I can jump to it, and then it's just keystroke, command down arrow, keystroke return, and then execute macro uh, timestamp marker, which does magic with timestamps and everything, um, to get that all in, which works great. I'm really pleased with it. And, you know, what more could
0: I want? No, well, when we covered it on the Stream Deck on Mac Power Users, Stephen and I were joking, somebody on Etsy 3D printed a thing where you can put two Stream Deck excels together. So you have like essentially i think 72 buttons instead of 36 mm-hmm. and we're like who would want one of these i'm thinking i think rose might want one i think rose could you find know what
1: it. i'm thinking david i'm thinking that another stream deck XL. so you've got one on the desk upstairs and one on the desk downstairs and then the 3d printed thing when you get your fancy new studio to put them together
0: yeah wow you are such an enabler the, the other person I thought might want, it would be Dave Metzger, who was a, a guest on our show, who's mm. a music composer and they, and they need so many buttons. So he would actually have a legitimate use for it. But, but with, with me switching through pages, the way I'm doing now, I just don't think I need any more buttons. I'm good. But the, uh, but man, I do love that stream deck that that has really taken off the last couple of years.
1: It really has. And when Elgato uh, shipped the 100-button stream deck, then I'll be right there queuing up behind you. Um, oh, really? And smiling <laughs> you that you it? said you didn't need more buttons because it's one of those things. And this is the same in home automation as well, right? Where we've you know we've added smart light bulbs to our house, so now we can pull out our phones and tap the buttons on there instead of pressing the button on the wall. but you still end up adding buttons in places because buttons are convenient. They don't require you to really think about things. You press the button and the stuff happens. Um, And I think that's why the Stream Deck works so well because not only do you have the button that makes the stuff happen, but it's got the image on it to show you what is going to happen. Um, And and that is, you know, that's that's a really nice feature. Um, And the Stream Deck pedal doesn't have pictures on it for obvious reasons. My feet can't see, Um, but it does work exceptionally well so i can just you know sit here and press a button and it's gone and it's inserted the timestamp, and that's it
0: i mean hypothetically if i push a button on amazon i could have a second one tomorrow i'm just saying i mean it's
1: a very hypothetical theory but i'm i'm sure amazon would be capable of delivering another one tomorrow for you david
0: i who Um. do you think as listeners we can, if you want to say in the form, who do you think of us is most likely to buy a second one first?
1: I think it's David.
0: Uh, I think it's you, but I don't huh? know.
1: I mean, I've got my Stream Deck pedal. I've got my Stream Deck. Yeah. And I mean, I have space on my desk, but I don't really have more space. Now, I have seen a couple of people in um, our forums. Martin uh, springs to mind who've got two Stream Decks, um, and they use one pretty much for like switching um profiles on their main one which i love the idea of i really do um but it also kind of feels like a waste um you know some sometimes i'm sitting there going i'm really not using my stream deck that much and then i'd sort of glance down at the uh the the calendar um, icon again just to see wait, uh, is is that orange yet? Yep, okay, I need to start preparing for the next meeting and go, even if I'm not using it 100% as, you know, like a macro pad, I'm using it as an information pad um, yeah. because uh, I've got TJ Luoma's little fantastical um, or iCal buddy um, magic uh, keyboard maestro um, actions which change the color of that button um, so that I get updated calendar information on the um, stream deck in one particular spot. And if I, if I press that button, then it will open fantastical for me to the calendar event, which is pretty great. Yeah.
0: See, and for me, I just don't use it that way. For me, it really is a macro pad. I, for me, if, if information is going to make it to my eyeballs, it needs to be in my menu bar or on my screen somewhere. I just don't look down at the stream deck for information.
1: I mean, I don't really look at it for information because I'm not reading that information most of the time, but as I glance down to press a button, on there i'll find i'll realize hey that's orange oh right need to start wrapping up or something it's not something that i'm necessarily deliberately consciously aware of but i am you know aware of it as a thing and that's been really helpful actually and i have to say i'm really pleased that the stream deck can do things like that because that that just makes it into an even more powerful tool if you're a software engineer you've been there It's 9pm, you're finally unwinding from work, but then your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's broken and your mind's already racing at what could be wrong. Is it the back end or the front end? Is it the network or is it the server? And now the whole team's scrambling from tool to tool and messaging person after person to try and find and fix the issue. That won't happen if you get New Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring tools that you'd normally buy separately, so engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code so you know exactly why the problem happened and you can resolve it quickly. That's why dev and Op teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a 14500 company, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. That next 9pm call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does. And you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever. No credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash automators. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash automators. That URL one more time, newrelic.com slash automators. Our thanks to New Relic for their support of this show and all of FM.
0: Uh, so Obsidian is a thing that comes up on our show once in a while. I think I'm really invested in it as kind of my notes storage reference system at this point. Mm-hmm. I think you are still, are you still uh, Obsidian? Yeah. Or you-
1: yeah, I use Obsidian for a lot of things, but it's a lot of that is essentially markdown notes of stuff that I just want to be able to keep going and add to and use as reference and things like that. So, you know, if there's Text that I keep to send to my parents every single time. They ask, wait, how do we do this particular thing? Then I've got uh, help the parents folder <laughs> in yeah. Obsidian for it um, and things like that. And I've got other stuff in there too, um, you know, project information, lots of project information. Um, and I've got work project information in a, a specific work vault as well. Um, and then I've got, um, I've started creating documentation for my home. And my home automation, so that I know, you know, for example, I've got all of my um, different devices in here with, um, for example, their fixed IP addresses, their MAC addresses, which physical room they're located in, and whether they're connected via Ethernet or Wi-Fi. Um, so that in the event that something goes weird with my network, I'll be able to get that information back. Um, and then I even, uh, and this is the really nerdy bit, um, I created um, a diagram um using uh mermaid.js um yeah. of my network, which yeah. means that I have like an entire view of my network so I can see exactly what's connected to what and how it all hooks up together, which is really good. And when I was moving some stuff around in my office the other day, I actually did update it as I went, which I was very pleased that I did. Um just because these things are only useful if they're up to date. Um if they're not up to date, then they're they're not so great. Um, but what I've done is each of those options in my um, or each of the entries in my network diagram links to a page of for that item which has like the mac address and everything on it um, and then I I went kind of crazy with the um, obsidian data view tables and that prints out a table of all of the different devices and their information as well which, I'm just really impressed as a thing I can do, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I had a listener ask me, he said, I was listening to Automators and you guys started talking about Obsidian and I didn't even know what you are talking about. Um, we did a show on it on Mac Power Users. Obsidian is is a basically, it takes a folder full of Markdown folders and it adds like power tools on top of them. It uh, adds a very easy way to link to them with like wiki style double brackets so you can jump between notes, but then there's a very rich community of third party plugins for it. And the developers have just been super aggressive about making this a really awesome product. And, um, the, it is an electron app, which, you know, usually I'm against those, but you know, this one is like the exception for me, my big exception, but they've got like a end to end encryption model where if you pay them, you can get it in and encrypted. There's just a, a whole lot to do with it, but from an automation perspective, there's a lot in here if you're an automator. Uh, Rose mm-hmm. just mentioned, for instance, DataView. And DataView is one of the plugins that lets you collect like collections of data in your Obsidian database without it, it just like lays a logic on top of all these markdown files. One of the ways Rose talked about it was you can set up a table, but you can even be more basic than that. Like one of the ways I automate, I guess, for lack of a better term, is I have a page in there called um you know Max Sparky status board and it is like everything I'm working on is Max Sparky and it's a bunch of data view formulas like one of them is it's looking for it makes me a list of every note that has the tags in it Max Sparky blog post and active and um so if I have an active blog post note, it shows up in this list and I can then navigate to it very quickly when I can work on my working blog posts, but it goes way beyond that for me. I've done the same thing for automators episodes. So I can see the automators episodes, but I also have a different tag called planning and the future shows that Rose and I are working on in the future that aren't actively being, you know, developed right now, but I know are coming. I get a view of those, but if I look for automators and planning, you know so i've found ways to slice and dice these these folders or these markdown files using these automation tools like dataview to give me an a, a very easy way to access everything that needs to be important to me today and yes. it just wasn't that hard uh, dataview is the plugin i use it sounds like you're using it too
1: oh yeah yeah i have to say what i like about dataview is um it has the ability to just grab like a list of posts, but you can also go in deep and do things like the table that I've created and just a little bit of information for people who um, are going, "Who? wait, that sounds really interesting. Uh, every note in Obsidian is a Markdown file or should be a Markdown file ideally. Um, and you can have a YAML header at the top where you have three dashes and then you have um, like... A name, colon, and then the value. And so, what I've done for all of these devices that I have in my network, um, every single one of them has its own note. um, And in that YAML header, I've got the IP address, the MAC address, the room, the categories, um, if it's got categories and a connection. I'm not really using categories, so I should probably get rid of that. But then in my data view, I'm getting all of that data out so that I can see it in a table. And that means that I can really easily see, okay, right, these things don't have IP addresses. I either need to fix the IP addresses of these devices, or I need to find out what that fixed IP address is and input that data here. Um, Acting is like a really quick overview. um, And, you know, kind of as a task list, though, it's not really intended as such, um, but it does allow me to quickly and easily see the things that I need to do um, in that respect, which works really well for me and I like the fact that I could just use it to just get a list of all my devices if I wanted to um, and equally I can use it and I do use it actually in my um, uh, help the parents folder um, I've got another plugin installed which is the uh, folder notes where you can have notes on a folder um, in obsidian and so i'm using a data view in that to just list all the files inside of it which i know i could get to from the sidebar but it's just nice to be able to uh, jump in from the folder itself
0: yeah there's just like always new plugins showing up and it's it's kind of awesome now that was a lot of words too but just for people who are not familiar with yaml it's really just an embedded set of data about your file at the very top
1: yeah it's just key value pairs essentially um so you can store for example um you know if you wanted to you could have cat and the name of the cat in the document or if you wanted to have um you know blog and then the name of the blog that something's for or the area of your life whatever it is you can create any sort of categorization that you want to um, with those things um, and you just do it by writing the key shouldn't have any spaces in it. That's the only thing to watch for um, and then colon and whatever the value is. Uh, and if you think this sounds a bit familiar and you've used Jekyll or something as a block before, then it's the same format as is used there.
0: And one of the best advantages of YAML is you can embed tags there. So like all the data view sorting tags I use like max blog, all that stuff is in the yaml data and mm-hmm. as an automator you can create this super easy so like let's say um i want to standardize the blog note for for uh, obsidian so I, I one of the things i've done is i've created a keyboard maestro script that says a uh, new blog post and i trigger it in the max barkey contextual menu and this is stuff I've talked about before. I'm not going to go back and explain it all, but I can through a conflict menu in Keyboard Maestro, I can very easily trigger this shortcut. And the shortcut will say, Oh, what's the blog post title? And I'll type in the title and they'll and they'll say, Is this active or a planning post? You know, sometimes I have an idea that I don't want to actively work on right now. And I I can check the box for one or the other, and then then there's another checkbox. Built with a, uh, a, a user input field and keyboard maestro says, Do you want me to copy the clipboard contents? So there's only three things I need the name, active or planning, and the clipboard contents. And the reason the clipboard contents is there is I may see, like, hey, here's a really cool Alfred plugin I want to write about. I'll block and copy the URL for the plugin or a description of it. And then when I run that script, it just automatically pastes it in. And all the script is doing is creating a markdown node in the Obsidian folder on my drive. That's all it's doing. I mean, it's, it's not like this is not fancy scripting. It's like taking the text, turning it into a note. It needs to be saved as a markdown because Obsidian only sees markdown files. And then it saves it. But because it filled in all that YAML data when it created it, it immediately shows up in all my searches in Obsidian. It just, it's such a, mm-hmm. like... Beautiful simple automation system. I just kind of wanted to put a bit of a spotlight on it.
1: Yes, it is really great. Um, the other advantage of YAML, which I should know um, because I'm I'm aware some people have told me before they've had this problem with Bear, um, is you don't have to put the texts, uh, the tags, sorry, of whatever it is that you're using in the body of your your text. It just can be in the YAML header, which means that when you preview it, you don't see that anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that is a really nice bonus of doing that um and so it, it's worth doing uh the only thing to watch out for with yaml is if you're going to make a list um you need to or indent things and nest properties you need to make sure your spacing is 100 spot on because if you use three spaces instead of two or four it will just not work at all um but that is uh the only potential negative and if you're using obsidian and you You just do it in Obsidian. It'll help you get it right every single time, making it much, much easier, Um, which is one of the things I like. Obsidian makes some markdown things a lot easier, like tables. Um, I always have beautifully formatted markdown tables in Obsidian because I use the table plugin, which just does all the work for me.
0: Yeah, and the beauty of using automation to create these files is they are right every time and you never have to think Mm -hmm. about it again. And um, I, I just think it's a really great, playground for automators and it's it's an easy environment to work in because at the end of the day it's just text files you know any of any automation you can write to change text you can change the results in obsidian with um uh, i i am uh, working on a little automation here's a real simple one in obsidian right now i just started working on it this morning i haven't got it working 100 of the time yet but so i have an active tag and that doesn't go in yaml for me with the status of the project goes into the kind of the body uh, of the of the file because that changes over time and i don't want to be like changing the yaml stuff so mm-hmm. um i'm creating a simple little uh keyboard maestro script that is just using uh ui scripting so it's, it's hitting the keyboard shortcut for the find and replace in in obsidian and then it's typing the word action or active for active flag with a with a pound before it and then replacing it with shipped so like once I finish something, I can just push a button and it changes the tag. So it drops off all my active lists. And I'm, so I'm just doing that with uh keyboard maestro, you know, hitting the tab key pausing, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've mm-hmm. almost got it working hundred percent of the time. Uh, I, for some reason, sometimes the, in the trigger to hit the, um, in Obsidian, it's, it is a uh, option command return to fire off the actual thing. It's not hitting hundred percent of the time. And, I literally just ran out of time this morning to, to debug it. I think it might be I need to add some pauses in there. I think it's going too fast. But the um, but that's stuff you can do because you're just working with text.
1: Yes, and it is really great. Um, you mentioned in the last episode the Active Note to Window Title um, plugin, which um, I've been playing with a little bit um, to uh, to get that no- that active title so that I can use that as a uh, part of my triggers or um, as Help um, for different things that I'm doing, so I can grab that information more easily. Yeah, um, and that's that's a great one. Um, and the template plugin is definitely something that every automator or anybody co- vaguely curious should check out. If they think I am going to want a format for this thing that I can repeat on a regular basis, um, then you know that that's what the template or plugin will do. Um, and it's it's truly. Really, Excellent at exactly what it's supposed to do, which is do templates.
0: (laughs) No, I I agree. And the so the the built-in template automation, they have a built-in system template system, but there's a plugin that takes it further. And I do think that is something you should check out as an automator. It makes total sense. I actually mapped it to Command-T so I can just open the template picker anytime I want. But over time, as I use this app more, I am increasingly generating templates outside of it uh, using uh, initially Keyboard Maestro. And basically I've re- recreated the templates in Keyboard Maestro scripts. And that way I can add additional information, use all of Keyboard Maestro's kind of user input fields to like do things like toggle between active and planning or copy the the um, the clipboard and do stuff that's just not really possible with the built-in stuff. And mm-hmm. because I'm using their sync system, I've just got all the files local on my Mac I just, you know, you know for lack of a better word, poop the, uh, the text file or the markdown file into the folder and it's just there. And I don't have to deal with the built-in template system. It gives me actually more power. Um, yes. But it's a little more extra work. Now, one of the challenges I'm currently facing is I'm really considering getting those out of um, Keyboard Maestro and putting them just into shortcuts because this is all completely doable with shortcuts as well. Um, the, you know, the trick in shortcuts is when you save, it wants to save to the shortcuts file, but you can replace that with a local drive entry. So, um, and that would give me the advantage of taking the variables I add in and then use those with other things. Cause like for instance, a lot of people are looking at obsidian as a task manager and I don't, I'm running an experiment on that right now that I'm about to share in the labs. And I think it's cool. There, there is a really good task plugin where you can set defer dates and do a lot of power stuff. But it's not OmniFocus. You know, it's not close. So I still want to, when I create these things, create an OmniFocus project, and then I can just cross-link them because it's just URL links, and mm-hmm. this stuff all works. But that actually is not as easy with Keyboard Maestro as it would be with a shortcut. So I'm right now like uh, toying with different platforms. For automating yeah. stuff like this and trying to decide. like uh, Obviously, if I build them in shortcuts, then I can run it on iOS devices too, although I don't seem to have much of a need for that. But why not, right?
1: Well, one of the things that um, I would recommend to you and all of our listeners who are looking at doing something like that is I would still create the template file in, and put it in Obsidian because that yeah. way you've got your template file and you've got it everywhere. Agreed. And what you can do is even if you... Um, so the Templater plugin in Obsidian... Will allow you to just run JavaScript, so you could write your own JavaScript automations that will ask you questions and pop up um, fields and or prompts and let you input stuff. But what you could also do is just input like placeholders. Um, and my my usual format for this is um, a single set of square brackets, though so with this being Obsidian and square brackets meaning things in Markdown and double square brackets, meaning more things in Obsidian. I might use curly brackets for this. And then you can do a find and replace. So you can grab that file and you can do this with Keyboard Maestro. You could do this with shortcuts. um, uh, And you can then grab the file and you can just replace your placeholders. And then you can send the entire file back. And Obsidian does have URL scheme support to allow you to create files um, via the URL scheme, um, which, you know, would allow you to just create everything. Um, and you could stick with Keyboard Maestro on the Mac, but also have a shortcuts option um, for iOS. Um, and of course, the other one that springs to mind for this almost exact purpose is drafts, because drafts is a great way to collect some data. Um, and it can even prompt you for input without scripting actions and everything. And then you can take that data and dump it into um, an Obsidian file um, yeah. and and do some magic with it. Um, but I probably start with replace some placeholders in the um, Obsidian file, because that's, you know, that's what templates are for. And then you've got a template that you can very easily tweak at all times. Um, even if you're on iOS, you know, say you're at Disney and you've got your phone and you're looking at a note and you realize, oh, that's a bit weirdly formatted. Next time I do that, I should add an extra line break. Yeah. Just swap to the templates folder, add your extra line break and forget about it. There's no needing to add an omni-focus action for when you get home.
0: Drafts is totally another way to automate Obsidian. I mean, somebody wrote me recently saying, well, is drafts even a thing anymore now that you're using Obsidian? I'm like, oh, of course. Obsidian is terrible mm-hmm. for text capture, but it's really good at what you do with text after you've captured it, where drafts is awesome for text capture and you can automate the drafts process. Another one, and this is uh which I use more on the Mac than than iOS, but is Text Expander. You can like build obsidian commands into Text Expander too. They're mm-hmm. There's just so many ways to do it because it's just text, you know? I mean, that's the thing that I just can't say enough with Obsidian. It's a folder full of Markdown files. If the app, like, stops development tomorrow, I still have my folder full of Markdown files. And that's the thing about it that I love so much.
1: Yes. Yeah, it really is great. Um, And I have to say, the um, community-supported plugins as well, um, you know, obviously they're community-supported. But there are just so many great ones. You do need to turn off safe mode um, for these, but um, you can have a look in their forums. You can look on GitHub um, about all of these uh, different plugins as well. I've linked a few of the different ones that we've talked about in the show notes. Um, But, you know, you can go and look at stuff and find, you know, how, how do they do this? I want something that's almost the same. Well, if you've been learning javascript to do automation with drafts or scriptable or omni applications or similar then you could modify these you know it's going to be a bit of a step up but i don't think it's beyond anybody listening to this podcast and i know some of you are going i'm not a coder i couldn't do it i i'm 100 confident that if you wanted to you know you, you could um or you would be find the help to do it because um it's javascript at the end of the day and it's automation and you could write your own automations for this if you if you wanted to it's not necessarily um the right solution go and have a look first to see if somebody's got a plugin that you can use pretty much as is um you know you want breadcrumbs so that you can see that this note is in this folder that folder that folder and then here's finally your notes there's a plugin for that yeah um and you'll only find it by going and searching um and don't forget as well not everything is in the community plugins search inside of obsidian check the forums because sometimes people are still in the early stages of creating it but it's in a state where you can um you know use it already and you can install it directly
0: there are so many great plugins i mean Maybe that's maybe that's a show someday, our favorite maybe, Obsidian plugins. Maybe yeah.
1: what yeah. I'll try and do is I'll put together a list of the, the obsidian plugins that I'm using so that um, we can link to that because things like the folder note and so on are pretty handy and I'm sure people would appreciate having that, as well as the advanced um, URI, which is advanced URL schemes. Yeah. Um for things, that's another great one.
0: Yeah, there there are a lot. I mean, data view to me brings Mm -hmm. this app to a whole new level it's like a whole feature set added to the i mean it's crazy
1: yes yes and at the end of the day as you said it's a pile of text files so if something were to go wrong and you know obsidian disappears i don't think that's going to happen at all because it's installed on my computer they can't take it away from me yeah um then you know i will still have all of my files and it works really nicely um so for that I'm really happy that this exists and as you said it's the Electron app and I wish it wasn't um and that does really show on iOS unfortunately where it does feel like the Mac app it's not too bad on a 12.9 inch iPad Pro but you try using Obsidian on iPhone Mini and it's like whoa, okay <laughs> somebody somebody crammed a Mac app into my iPhone Mini um but you know it still works um and most of the time I'm rarely going to be editing things like this um, on my phone. It'll be a case of I'll check something in drafts and you know use the Obsidian Advanced URI to stick it onto an existing note or similar.
0: Yeah, I, I've kind of got to the point where I use it on iOS as a window into my Obsidian data, not necessarily something I work on, mm-hmm. but. You know, that said, like I had a Mac mini and a little Bluetooth keyboard and I can sit down and write a ton of blog posts straight into Obsidian uh, once I get there. You know, it takes a little kind of doing to get to the text file on, on, a, on an iPad mini. But once you're in there, you can type on it. It works fine. You know, it's not... Unusable. It's just not as ideal as it is on a Mac, which kind of gets back to the earlier discussion of why I would like to have maybe a little MacBook Air I could carry around. It's almost like an obsidian machine, you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Though I have to say, I think if if you want something where you've got a small portable device with a keyboard, um, then looking at the new iPad Air with the Magic Keyboard is probably going to be a good shout because the Magic Keyboard on an iPad is i'm really impressed with mine i'll note that i do have a 12.9 inch ipad pro so it's pretty huge but i had the 11 inch before um and the ipad air looks pretty great um as an affordable device and as we said text files they don't take up a lot of space so if you want a lot of text files then you can even get the base storage model
0: all right well rose what do you think of our automators potpourri? did we do good
1: I think so, though I do think your uh, pronunciation of yeah. potpourri could do with some improvement. Uh, as soon but, as know, I said it,
0: I'm like, "Oh, I'm going to pay for that one." <laughs> you are you, are, you are, know, potpourri, folks. <laughs> welcome to the Autometers Podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I think I think we've had some pretty good fun, and I think hopefully we've given some people some ideas of various different things that they can dive into. And uh, I should note that we've um, we, we we always record ahead of time to make sure that. Uh, our editor hopefully has enough time to edit things. Um, and thank you to Jim for doing a wonderful job on that, but we've had some, some great feedback already on, uh, the last episode, including the launch of automators max. Um, yeah. so fingers crossed everybody is enjoying themselves still.
0: Yeah. We have a lot, a plan for automators max. We thank you for signing up. You can do that over at the website. I guess we should have said at the top of the show, if you're interested, automators max gets you an extended version of the show ad free, which is kind of great in both ways. So, uh, Uh, Thank you, everybody who signed up. If you're interested, go check it out. We'd love to have you on board. And uh, regardless, we are the Automators Podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. Uh, We want to thank our sponsors this week, FitBod, LinkedIn, and New Relic. And uh, we'll see you next time.
1: Goodbye.